This is Kansenshu, the podcast, episode 458 for the week of November 11th, 2018. Welcome to Kanzen Shu, the podcast, an extension of the all-encompassing Dragon Ball fan site. Kanzen Shu. We cover anything and everything Yamcha in hopes of enlightening and a little bit of entertaining. Uh, for once in a very, very long time in the history of the show, uh, we're trying to time something to <laughs> something relevant that is just happening just now. It's just been released in English and... Uh, I had already decided we were going to do this, and I saw someone, uh, Alfredo, earlier today. Now that this got a release on this side of the globe, maybe it wouldn't be the worst idea in the world to do a podcast review of it. And pictured here is the Viz release of Dragon Ball. That time I got reincarnated as Yamcha. So, Alfredo, your wish has been granted. It was already the plan anyway, but, you know. We'll give it to you here. My name is Mike uh, Vigito EX. You can just call me Mike. I am joined by perhaps the two best people on this planet, other than maybe the author illustrator himself, to talk about it. Uh, let's start with Julian. Uh, welcome. Now you're back to a stupid microphone, but then you'll be back to a real microphone soon. Yes, that's right. Because as a matter of fact, I will be coming to see you. Next Hooray! Week. Oh, I'm so blessed these last couple months. I get Julian all to myself. Well, I don't know. You had to share me with Masako Nozawa there. <laughs> we'll talk about uh, some of that stuff. We'll talk about all that at the end of the show. That's what we'll do uh, later. But Julian is here. Uh, the other voice you hear, it's Stacy. Hello. Hello. I have gathered the best of the best to talk about uh, the case of being reincarnated as Yamcha. That time I got reincarnated as Yamcha. Julian, you've actually met Dragon Garo Lee before, so that's why I've called you yes. here. Also, all the other stuff, like your the good analysis in Japanese, I suppose those are worth considering. I suppose so. Yeah, what's he like? Well, I don't know. He's thin. He seems to work out. Um, I don't know a lot about him. I met him in Osaka, so he's from around there, I believe. Uh, you know, I don't tend to pry in people's personal lives. So that's about what I know about him as an individual. All right, perfect. You're useless to me. Uh, Stacy, <laughs> someone who may or may not have done something with this manga before. The, the, the free manga that was freely distributed previously. Yeah, and I was stealing sales of this free manga by translating it illegally and putting it online for free. <laughs> But I guess now it does have an official release, so now it's now become more illegal that <laughs> that it's out there. And just to be clear, uh, you were not a contributor to Consensu at the time. Uh, we never hosted it on Consensu. Yes. I never said it was okay for you to do. It. I'm just covering myself. <laughs> just covering myself here. Terra's made me do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh sure, blame it on somebody else. Someone who's definitely <laughs> intimately familiar with the dialogue in this manga. So I figured these were the best people to invite on, and I'm just along for the ride and. Uh, hopefully directing things appropriately. That's what we're doing this episode. We're finally going to take a look at the manga uh, as a whole now that it has officially received a release in English from Viz. Uh, a couple people get a hold of it a little early, Julian included, uh, at New York Comic Con, but now the formal release is available on store shelves and uh, digital retailers as well. So that's what we're doing this episode. Uh, we're not going to be intentionally super spoilery, I don't think. Uh, I don't really want to do it normal manga 
review of Awesomeness Style with a, a recap of each chapter. There's, there's a really cool history and context to talk about with this. I want to do a little bit more of that and then more analysis than simply recapping things. That being said, we're just going to talk about it. So if you haven't read it, now it's probably a pretty good time. It's available. It's cheap. Uh, go check it out. Come on back and listen to things. That's what's on deck this episode, I say we get right on into it. So let us get right on into it. Julian, so, all right, you've met the dude. Now tell us a little bit about the dude. Dragon Garo Lee is the author and illustrator of this Yamcha yes. Gaiden. Uh, who is he? Well, he, he started out, and I guess he kind of still is, a fan artist. Uh, and he came to the attention of fans initially through this webcomic that he posted to his website, which was uh, Dragon Garo, which Dragon Gallery. Uh, and the comic itself was called uh, Dragon Ball Sai. And this was actually a what-if story posing the question of what would happen if Vegeta had come to Earth instead of Goku. And so he eventually redrew this uh, and expanded it, combined it with this um, other comic he was also drawing with the characters of, uh, what is it, The uh, the Adventures of the Hero Yoshihiko, which was a TV drama from several years back. Yep. yep. Uh, but he would put out these doujinshi, these self published volumes and sell them at uh, Japanese comic book conventions. And he's done four of them so far. And he's also done this other group of uh, books called DB and Saitama, which is pitting Dragon Ball characters, mostly Vegeta, against um, the title character from... He's not in the title, is he? I guess he is the title of well, One Well, he Punch is Man. the One Pan Man. Yes. So he, he has a lot of fun with Dragon Ball, and his art style has been noted for very closely mimicking Toriyama at sort of his most sort of early 90s, very characterful sort of illustrations, uh, very much sort of in the style of Minoru Maeda in the, in the Dragon Ball, early Dragon Ball Z era. Uh, apart from those, he's also um, gone viral several times by drawing things like uh, lots of different uh, mothers for Mother's Day or fathers for Father's Day, all these different uh, manga characters in one big illustration. Yeah, I've seen those on Twitter. Yeah, they're pretty impressive. He's got a lot of attention that way. And almost... Uh, by dint of fate, it would seem he got picked up by Shueisha for real to do this. Yeah, there's a, a pretty good interview that talks about the origins, uh, the forming, the formative ideas behind it. We'll get to that in a little bit. But it seems like uh, right place, right time, uh, right attitude on Twitter, perhaps compared to other folks out there, other fan artists out there. Uh, I think it's not necessarily something I want to get into here, but there are a lot of other fan artists out there. A lot of people say, why doesn't X, why doesn't blank get picked up by Shueisha? I think Lee in particular, the stuff he puts out there, it's extremely high quality, but he's extremely earnest uh, and genuine in his fandom as well. Is that your take on it? I think so. My personal feeling is that he's got a good combination of a sense of humor, but he never gets into like... Um, Let's say things that the official publisher might not want to get into. You say that, but Oishi is an official artist under Dragon Ball now. So. Yeah, but she doesn't keep the same pen name. Well, I, that's we'll get into that maybe because he uh, he did keep his name. Anything else we can say about him to kind of set things up here or before we get into the idea? I feel like that's Dragon Garo Lee in a nutshell. Uh, he he continues to post and be popular. Yeah, he's he's pretty responsive on Twitter for questions and things. It helps if you speak Japanese, of course, but he's <laughs> uh he's very good at at being uh um at interactions with the fans. And I think it's probably because of his following that I think that influenced uh, Shueisha and letting him keep his pen name when he moved to this uh, official work. It's something you want to capitalize on, for sure. 
All right. Yeah. Let's talk about the idea behind this. It's uh, it feels very original. Oh, you got reincarnated into a character in the series. That's great. Uh, but it's actually based on something else. The premise of this of this work is actually a riff on um, this uh, popular in Japan light novel series called Tensei Shitara Slime Datta Ken. Literally, the case of being reincarnated as a slime. Uh, Yen Press is putting it out in English. They translated it as that time I got reincarnated as a slime, which is probably why Viz chose a similar translation for the Yamcha version. Right. But um, it's it's written by uh, an author known as Huse and illustrated by Mitsuba. Both of these are pseudonyms, so I don't. that's why they don't sound particularly like Japanese names. Uh, but the protagonist is a 30-something office work, worker who is murdered in a random spree killing on the street and comes back to life as a slime in this sort of JRPG-esque fantasy setting similar to Dragon Quest. I was going to say, you come back as a slime, literally named slime. It feels like it should have been an official branded as Dragon Quest kind of story. Maybe. I think it, it started out uh, being self-published on this website called Shosetsuka Ninaro, right. or you you can become a, uh, an author too, basically. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm assuming there were lots of issues with you know copyright at the time. Yeah, yeah. And then the, the art style uh, of the illustrations for the light novels is also not particularly... Dragon Quest-esque, but the setting is very much in line with what you would expect in the Dragon Quest series. Um, the series has also received a two-core, 24-episode animated adaptation, which is currently airing in Japan, I understand. Sure. You're the so, one who's yes. going to be over there. <laughs> if this if this kind of um, premise intrigues you, you can also watch it. So it just sounds like, oh, this is a popular idea, and... They went with it and they just did a Dragon Ball spin on it. I mean, it's basically, you know, sitting around the table and it wouldn't be funny if we took this popular thing and applied it to this character instead. That's kind of funny. He's basically the slime of the Dragon Ball world, right? I suppose. Let's steal this thing that someone else kind of stole the intellectual property from and roundabout again and comes back to Shueisha. All right. Well, let's talk about Dragon <laughs> Garu Lee's version here. Uh, this was originally published for free in Japanese on Shueisha's Jump Plus digital platform. Uh, and it was announced as three chapters and it did come out as three chapters. Uh, it seemed like it took a little longer than they initially wanted it to be. Uh, first chapter, December 12th, 2016. Second chapter, May 7th, 2017. It's a big gap there. And then they third and final chapter, August 14th, 2017. And with that third chapter, they announced a collected uh, print release in Japan that would be coming that November. And it indeed came out November 2nd, 2017. And then uh, an English version was announced by Viz. Anime Boston came out uh, just recently, so about a year after its Japanese print release. Julian, uh, we mentioned you got an early copy. They were selling it at New York Comic Con, so folks are able to pick it up there. But now it's uh, in print and available digitally as well. Uh, the collected edition has some bonus material in it that I think we'll talk about. Uh, the Japanese version came with a Super Dragon Ball Heroes card. That kind of thing doesn't come out over here. You get no bonuses. You get the manga and you'll like the manga. That's kind of uh, a pretty good setup for it. Julian, Stacy, do you guys have anything else to say before we dive into um, some of the context and background for this? It kind of came and people enjoyed it, right? It was definitely like the most popular thing on Jump Plus for a while. Yeah, I don't. I didn't really see what like what the fan reactions or anything was. I mean, I saw some of the English people. I mean, or people on forums or Twitter and stuff talking about it. Yeah, I didn't really look into what the Japanese fans were saying because I was I was just uh, 
just translating it. But <laughs> So let's talk about as it was coming out in Japan, because, again, it did take a while for these three chapters to come out. Um, when the first chapter came out, Lee gave us a whole bunch of tweets kind of setting up. Oh, I'm so excited to be working on it. They let me do it for Jump Plus. That's great. Um, just love the reaction that people were giving out on Twitter. He apologized for keeping it a secret. It's like, what's Lee working on? Oh, this is what he's been working on. Uh, that's great. Uh, Julian, can you talk about that? editor a little bit here like what does it seem the working relationship was between lee and shueisha yeah so it seems like um the idea came about among editors at shonen jump plus and then they came to him directly uh and we'll talk about this a little later in his autobiographical comment but he mentions an editor h and it's not entirely clear who that is although it might have been then editor-in-chief yoshihisa heishi which is H for Heishi. Mm -hmm. Um, Later on, the editor-in-chief reigns towards the end of last year after he was finished with it were taken over by Shuhei Hosono, who might have been working just as a regular editor before then, but we don't really know. The other info we have about his relationship here, uh, there's an interview that BuzzFeed Japan put up. Uh, we translated it at the time. This is back in uh, January la- or this year, I guess. Still within the calendar. No, January 2017. Wow, so that was a long time ago. My sense of time is all thrown off here. All right, so it's been a little bit. Uh, I just want to read a couple of choice quotes from it, and then we're going to get into the story itself. Uh, Julian, as you mentioned, it's started with some stupid talk while we were out drinking so (laughs) shueisha management is basically the same as konzenshu management here is where all the best ideas come about all right (laughs) there were some staff at the editorial department who followed dragon garo lee's work and brought him to our attention just like we were saying uh they contacted him on twitter Uh, i think that's a really cool point is that they went through that platform itself (laughs) to get a hold of him i love that uh i said However, midway through writing it, we found out that the TV anime Dragon Ball Super was also having a Yamcha episode. So it was difficult timing the two to line up. I think that's hysterical. Uh, so Dragon Ball Super episode 70 aired December 11th, 2016. So they did, in fact, actually line it up almost exactly. Uh, this came out December 12th, 2016. So they're basically on the same day when you consider uh, the monumental task of distributing this kind of stuff. Uh, that yeah. was that baseball episode. That's great. There, and there's not a lot of information about sort of the timing of the individual chapters. Initially, it seemed like it was supposed to come out a lot more quickly. My impression by reading between the lines is that um, Dragon Galarolie was uh, not used to working with editors and a lot of the things he tried to draw got vetoed. So Mm. he was forced to rewrite and rewrite and rewrite until they got something that all parties could be okay with. Yeah. And you'll notice that he even went back and added more to the story for the finished version. So you say that, but they also say in the interview that Toriyama was pretty open about stuff and was happy to approve things. And it didn't seem like that was too much of a barrier. So it was probably within Shueisha itself. Right. Getting some pushback or, you know, editorial mandates there. Probably. I mean, since although he was the one who was technically writing the story, it was not his idea to run with as he pleased. Yeah, I guess like like Toriyama himself, he also got rejected. What? <laughs> <Right. laughs> Living the dream there. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about the story a little bit. Uh, the basic premise, Stacy, how would you sum it up? Boy dies, becomes Yamcha. Good luck. Yeah. So there's a a young boy who likes Dragon Ball and likes playing games like Dogon Battle, which is <laughs> legally distinct from Dokkan Battle. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he's 
he wants to go check out this girl in a short miniskirt and then he ends up tripping off the pedestrian crossing and dying. <laughs> and then he just, he wakes up in the dragon world and discovers that he's Yamcha. And then after that, he decides he doesn't want to live the life that Yamcha lived. He wants to improve Yamcha's station in life and be the best Yamcha he could ever be. <laughs> <laughs> and he accomplishes this to quite an amazing degree, uh, up to a point, basically up to the point that you would expect, where it's during the cell arc, all right, I'm kind of tapped out here. Yeah, he does have a point where he's like, oh, after this point, Earthlings can't really do anything. Uh, yeah, it's all going to be all science all the time from here on out. Right. So, But I can at least train enough to survive the battle against Vegeta and the Saibai men. Right. So that's his main goal starting off where he kind of decides that he can make a turning point for Yamcha instead of Yamcha just going off to hang out at Capsule Corp with Bulma. He's like, oh, I could go with Goku and train instead and then I can improve my situation. Right. The way it's kind of being described, and especially we'll talk about Viz, it sounds like, oh, the whole thing is a joke and oh, poor Yamcha. It's really interesting to me how the entire thing is played. Yeah, it's funny, but it's also played very seriously and very like warmly and down to earth with the character. You're getting Yamcha's thoughts, but you're also getting this human character's thoughts. And it's it's a very human story. Yeah, despite the fact that Viz was very meme-heavy in their marketing of the series, the actual translation, they didn't really you know, alter anything to make sort of meme jokes or anything like that, which was good. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, they kind of, leading up to it, they're like, oh, ha ha, lols, it's Yamcha, dead Yamcha guys, ha ha. <laughs> but, but yeah, the story itself doesn't have that sort of tone. It's He's very earnest about He's like, yeah, being Yamcha maybe isn't the best. His first reaction is like, oh, why am I Yamcha? Why can't I have been Goku or Vegeta? Mm -hmm. But, you know, mm -hmm. once he decides that I can I can make Yamcha's life better, that, you know, it doesn't mean that Yamcha's a terrible guy to begin with. He just could do better. And if he concentrated more on training rather than, you know, hanging out with Bulma at uh, Capsule Corp, even though the kid really wanted Right. <laughs> to get with Bulma. He's like, oh man, I'm totally going to get with Bulma, but but first I got to survive, and then <laughs> then we'll see what happens after. So I'm going to train now, and then maybe later on try to try to win over Bulma. And it's it's right from the beginning, too, where he comes in, basically the peel-off arc has ended. Uh, Koku has destroyed the castle, He's his tail's been cut off, and he's kind of there with the group who long has got the panties on his head. And he's like, oh, awesome, I'm going to go hang out with... No, wait, all right. Tenkaichi Budokai, all right, I I got to train. I'll, I'll see you there. All right, I'm going to head off and train with the Turtle Hermit as well. I'm, I'm going to start now. Uh, now. I think that's that really sets up a, a great story there. Where he's, he's very determined. And to your point about he's making a better life for Yamcha, uh, he's also really invested in making the rest of the Dragon World a better place, too. Uh, there's a kind of like just throwaway line during... The, the sign in fight was like and no one else had to die it's like he's looking out for all the other characters too he's he's concerned with all of their well-being probably because he's a fan of dragon ball and he wants to do well by them but it seems like he's he's just a genuinely good person 
independent of the fact that he's Yamcha now too. Yeah, he he's a good he's a good boy. <laughs> I guess <laughs> even though he may may be a little pervy wanting to chase after girls in short skirts. Hey, it's hey, it's a, he's a teenager. What are you going to yes, do? Right. <laughs> and at the same time while uh, the character is very earnest, that sort of fanboy information actually works its way back in, including Yamcha's birthday. Hold on to that because <laughs> I do want to do some of the little trivia stuff there. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, so maybe let's uh, abandon the character a little bit and talk about the writing because it's it feels it feels like a perfect mix of Toriyama himself, but also Naho Oishi's storytelling. Uh, so, if you don't know Naho Oishi, uh, the author illustrator of Dragon Ball SD, which runs in Psycho Jump. It's basically a further chibi-fied retelling of the series. And at least for a while, early SD chapters, they'd tell the story, but there'd be lots of jokes along the way. And she very heavily relied on knowing the story of Dragon Ball and either hinting at things or making jokes about future events. Uh, And that's manifested lately as effectively one joke per chapter telling the story as is. It's very sad. Earlier SD chapters are so much better. Uh, And there's a lot of that... In the Yamcha manga here, uh, we have the character as Yamcha referencing a lot of things, like even just at the beginning of oh, the Tenkaichi Budokai, Goku's like, huh, what are, you, what are you talking about? I don't know what that is. And uh, up through picturing Vegeta's bingo dance from Battle of Gods, like he's very aware of everything throughout Dragon Ball's history. <laughs> but I feel like that's also, that's more the premise of this manga than even the actual story. It's not really a story about a boy who fell down and became reincarnated as Yamcha. It's a story about, oh, we know where Dragon Ball goes, so let's play with it along the way using this as a basis. That seems fair. I mean, obviously he he's using sort of his fanboy knowledge to get things, I guess, right the way that the character himself doesn't yeah. a lot of the time. Even using things like, I'm going to go off to Namek and train because that'll help me well, getting the Grand Elder to draw out my latent power like he does yeah, to yeah. other characters. <laughs> so yeah, there's definitely like, you feel... I guess the the readers identify with him as being fans of Dragon Ball. It's mm. like, oh yes, I I understand what he's thinking because if I were in this situation, maybe I I would do similar things. Yeah, where, yeah. You know, I would use my knowledge of Dragon Ball, what's available in the world and what's coming in the future, to make my way through. Right. It feels like he's also trying to stay two steps ahead of the reader, uh, and to me that leads to a bit of disjointed storytelling uh just talking about the grand elder on namak that comes in and out and so early for a while i feel like i'm reading this and all right we're fighting the sci-fi men no we're fighting vegeta no we're on namak wait are we on namak and the namak arc or are we on namak and the scion arc or priest scion arc? i don't actually know where we are i feel like he's jumping all over the place uh, and especially as then we get to chapter two which kind of like jumps forward and back and then forward and then back again it's <sighs> It feels like there's so much story to be told here that if he actually backed up and did it linearly, I feel like you could probably get two or three solid volumes out of this that would be just as, if not more, enjoyable. And it's all being condensed down into these three chapters. I feel like he had more that he could have done here that he was being like, all right, you're you're scheduled for three chapters, so make it work. Yeah, maybe it was was some of the editing things that may have made it take longer than it was originally supposed to, like they were trying to figure out how to f- 
either fit, maybe he was trying to fit more things in than they thought he should, or they thought he should put more in than he was going to. I mean, we don't really know what happened behind the scenes there, but we do know there was quite a delay between the first two chapters. So maybe that editing battle may have had something to do with it feeling a bit disjointed, but we can't really know what was happening, though. Especially that first chapter, because I feel like, oh, it's all leading up to the Sabai man fight like that's where we know it's going because he thinks about it early on like all right that's a natural ending point here so it feels like chapter one makes perfect sense and chapter three where it's oh there's this other guy here and let's wrap this like i can't fight anymore and there's this other guy so let's wrap this up those make total sense to me and yet there's only one chapter in between that gets us from point a to point c point b is actually like b1 b2 b3 b4 it's going all over the place and it's a it's a fun read i just feel like there's there's space here i'm i'm shocked to say that there's space here but i feel like there is pretty much yeah it was i guess trying trying to do a lot but it may not have had enough pages or time to get everything in a i guess more cohesive manner yeah then then that led to it feeling a bit like uh it's jumping all over the place i say that but who knows if he had a chance to spread it out would it felt too slow like we weren't really going anywhere i don't know uh, let's talk about the art, Julian. You mentioned he's uh, he's really channeling Toriyama and Maida here in his style. It's very Cyan arc, Frieza arc. Uh, to me, it feels yeah. like almost to a fault because as soon as we see anyone outside of that, uh, there's a shot of Cell's face, kind of like this three quarters zoomed shot of Cell's face. Something totally not right about it. Uh, it just yeah. doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like it belongs within the art style because it's from a much later period and, and Toriyama's own evolution as, as uh, an artist. So in that respect, it's like, okay, well, this doesn't quite work. But uh, that said, when everything is within those parameters, it looks really good. And he does a very good job of, I think, also of uh, mimicking Toriyama's very sparse use of tone. Mm, you're right. Um so that he, when he does use it, it's very effective in, in uh, making highlights there. Yeah, you flip through this. This feels more like a Toriyama manga than a Toyotaro, than an Oishi. Um, I, I think you could really fool people, <laughs> showing them a couple pages out of this one. Yeah, I think he he's not only a good mimic of Toriyama's style. Like, if you look at the art he posts on Twitter, where he does, like, 50 characters in one picture, they all look like the series that they're from, yeah. which is pretty amazing. Like, to the point where it's like, I'm not even sure what his personal style is, because he's just so good at mimicking other art styles. Mm-hmm. So I would be kind of be curious to see what he would draw. I mean, maybe he's done it somewhere, but most of what I just see on Twitter is, you know, other people's is fan art of other people's works, but I am curious what his his actual style look like. Right. We get some nice flair from other people. And you want to talk about animators in the series, uh, the the TV series, the movies, Uh, we get some of their personal style mixed in with the characters, uh, even when they're trying to be conformed to a character designer style, something like this, where you're like you're a name, but you're not really a name and you're you're given a chance to be in the spotlight. It's like we want you to be as close as possible. And he's good at that anyway. So I feel like that all really works. And to your point, like, yeah, what is Lee's actual style? I don't know if he has one, but I'm also not sure if I care that I want to see it because this is if this is what I'm going to get. I feel like this is exactly how it should look because this does feel like it could totally exist in that real 
canonical storyline. Like this is <laughs> one of those other branches in Xenoverse or Heroes or something. I feel like we should get that. They're the reincarnated Yamcha. Give me a Heroes card. Maybe there is one. I don't know. Is there anything that we want to say uh, about the series itself? Something that uh, our buddy Cypher has uh, tasked this manga with, I believe, was, oh, it's basically just an extended Dokkan battle commercial. Like, it, it, it is. Exactly. It, it is and it isn't. Uh, it's mentioned a couple times, although and I guess we can mention this now. It's Dogon Battle. That's actually not a misprint in Viz. It's written that way in Japanese, too. And that's absurd to me. I don't understand. Like, it's their own thing. Why can't they mention it? I don't know. <laughs> Japan likes to censor unnecessarily i guess <laughs> i don't know or that just adds to the joke of it i guess that it's i thought they're not playing dokkan battle it's dogon battle but you know what we mean right maybe they just don't want to be too blatant in the advertising i don't know maybe and also like <laughs> the test of time on it is if you mention that people are like oh what is that but if you give it a wrong name they look for it and they won't find anything so maybe that's better than finding <laughs> like a discontinued game at some point in the future be like referencing discross in the manga now like who knows what that is? No one knows what that is. Who cares? So there, <laughs> there's that angle to it. But then we're going to spoil the ending here. So this entire story is basically a game between Beerus and Shampa. And it just feels like, oh, so it was all for nothing. Because I guess this actually does happen in the real continuity. Is that what we're supposed to think here? Uh, and the if they're doing that, that means the real world and the dragon world are actually the same thing because he knows what Dragon Ball is in his real world. And yet he was turned into a Dragon Ball spirit by Fados. And we like, I don't know what's going on. How does this it's work? It's a paradox. <laughs> <laughs> it's happening in a different timeline. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Uh, so it does kind of come all about to it's, I don't know how to phrase it. Like, does it does anything matter in the end if nothing really mattered because it was all a game? Like, yeah, it still kind of does, but it still feels like is the emotional resonance still there knowing that it was a free manga and they're dropping references to real things like the 4D experience and Dokkan Battle and then, oh, it's actually the Dragon Ball Super Gods of Destruction just playing. Like, does that take anything away from it? What do you think? I think it's still I think it's still good regardless of that. I mean, it's just a it's just like a random spin-off side story type of thing anyway, so I wasn't really expecting it to be, you know, like oh, does this have larger implications on the series itself. No, it's just a fun little thing that uh lets you know Really, being Yamcha isn't the worst thing. The worst thing is being Chaozu. <laughs> I think that's the real lesson. You weren't expecting much. <laughs> uh, were you expecting to cry manly clown tears towards the end of that chapter? Because I wasn't, and I sure was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where they just come together as two fellow Dragon Ball fans, like, yeah, we, we shouldn't fight, and we don't want to ruin the dragon world. We just, we love it so much. <laughs> I forget exactly how he phrased it. He's like, I didn't mean to be a bad guy. And just like, you see that look in his face. He, I feel like Lee captures that perfectly like that's everything you could possibly want to capture in a panel like that pretty much yeah he's very good at, at that kind of um channeling the spirit of the original without quite being the same thing yeah and not not to make you know go too far into comparisons here but i think he in some ways does that better than uh, certain other artists although obviously um probably if he wanted to be serialized he'd need to work on his um, timing. Yeah, I also agree that I've, it feels more authentically Dragon Ball in this series than the Dragon Ball Super manga adaptation. Yeah. Which 
uh, sometimes it just I don't I don't want to rip on Toyotaro though sometimes I do online but <laughs> I don't know it it just feels like his stuff is so much more like I'm like I'm a fan boy and I'm like my fanboyism comes through I mean even though this was about Dragon Ball fans it still didn't feel like uh like I'm winking and nod look at these references I'm making I mean I mean even though it's like you know showing certain parts of the story it somehow felt less reference heavy yeah than the super manga even though that's I don't literally know how that's possible the entire thing yeah. is to be reference heavy yeah yeah right uh, yeah maybe, maybe a couple points there is uh if we're gonna talk if we're gonna compare the two just the the panel layout within this is generally you're looking at like four or five at the max panels per page as opposed to Toyotaro's which has somewhere between 37 and 849 panels per page this just feels like Toriyama where everything has a chance to breathe on the page you get some really nice I don't know how like I'm looking even just in some of the bonus material we get that full half page manga pan shot of Yamcha in his suit like everything has room to breathe on the page you really get a chance to look at these drawings and see his composition within the panel Uh, that feels very Toriyama to me it it flows very nicely from uh, from image to image you get a you get a fairly clear sense of what's going on without being too led astray, except when the story jumps. Yeah, yeah, um, abruptly. But um, when the story is moving, he seems to have a good uh, knack for composition that allows the eye to follow what's going on, and that's something that Toriyama was always very good about. Yeah, he never knew that he was good at it and how to describe <laughs> it to other people, but he seems to have passed it on. He does a little bit about panel layout in the uh, Cruddy Manga Lab series, but uh, it's more about uh, creating a panel layout where the reader is not confused and knows exactly what comes next. Yeah, yeah. It's not really going into composition so much. Let's talk just a little bit more about some of the the big references. We were just giving him credit for not being as reference heavy, despite the fact that the entire thing is entire series of references. Uh, Julian, so the big climactic battle is all... It's all hinged on coming up with a birth date uh, and and someone loses. And we know where this comes from because, of course, we do. Yes. So this is um, Weekly Shonen Jump 1986, number 37, uh, which is character biographical data. Originally of a bunch of uh, jump characters, but we, we pulled out the Dragon Ball ones and translated it for the site, because of course we did. And it is indeed accurate to what Toriyama gave for, for that specific character's birth date. Yeah, I thought that was a good ending to the battle, where it's like, because they're two Dragon Ball nerds, so of course it's going to end in a trivia off. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. So who's the bigger fan? Well, I have the most obscure knowledge in my head from something like this. And it also, it's reminiscent of the battle between Kuririn and, and Chaozu back at the 22nd Except instead of math, it's Dragon Ball trivia. Well, you say that, but they also go into that exact battle in here. And uh, I think this is great where we get this shot of the God of Earth being like, hey, has Yamcha figured out that someone else is like him? And it seems like, yeah, actually, he has realized it and has known the entire time because he knows what should happen in Dragon Ball. So if someone else does something that is not what happens in Dragon Ball, like know the answer to math questions, clearly something is afoot. I thought that was a a cool twist toward the end there. Yeah, though it does make you wonder why he didn't say anything earlier, because that was like years and years before. Right. (laughs) But I guess he just, he saw that Chaozu was acting differently, but 
decided to wait until much later to confront him about it once I guess he saw that he was doing things like trying to take the Dragon Balls and make a wish for himself <laughs> and that I guess that was the 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 line you don't cross right. that was great he was like I had to cover that up and that was so hard to do I think that's where he shows like he he understands the Dragon Ball world but he also understands how to have characters talk to each other in the Dragon Ball world as non-Dragon Ball characters somehow. <laughs> it's a very unique skill set, and I think he pulled it off here. Yes, I agree. Without having too much exposition dumps like other manga. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. Other, like the super manga, where it's like, okay, now it's time to stop and explain everything, and now let's go back to other things. It felt much more cohesive, I guess, yeah, yeah. in that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a couple of things where there was exposition, but it wasn't like, I don't know, I just I just like the flow of it better yeah. than the super manga, and I wish Dragon Garo Lee would be doing more things. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all just keep officially. saying, he's got to get another one, right? They're going to have to have him do another one of these, and we haven't heard anything on that so who knows right i guess then let's touch on the bonus material the game in the collected edition so we have two extra stories and then like a self-insert kind of explanation story uh i really really enjoy what he did here with yamcha so we get a little more with yamcha and his uh compadre the the non-chaotsu uh and it ends in this is one of those like oh actually you are kind of the butt of the joke where it's they fuse and then they see themselves and like oh never mind yeah it's like <laughs> oh we ugly never mind let's just right? forget that we did that <laughs> so that's pretty good and then we get what i wanted more of as we were talking about earlier like right? there's so much more you can do there's so many little stories you can tell and we get that story of all right here we are this is the trunk stuff. This is my make or break moment. All right. I am mm-hmm. no use against Vegeta anymore whatsoever. And all right, we're going to have all these other battles. And if I do what I want to do here, that puts the entire dragon world in jeopardy. All right. I will stand aside. That's what I'm talking about where it's, he's, he's in a bad place and he's not the best character, but the way they're writing him, I don't know how many times we can say the word earnest on this podcast, but it feels so genuine and real to me. And I just love what I read there. In in essence, it's kind of like this own, sort of self-insert fanfic where the main character is is inserted against as well as one of the characters. And while it, he has this shades of a sort of like Mary Sue who's the best at everything, you realize yeah. that he's not really in that he is, he's also invested in keeping the story moving along the way it should in certain ways. Yeah, I I found that that little thing with uh, well, he's like, okay, I'm gonna go confess to Bulma, and then who who should I ask for advice? And he like thinks of all the different <laughs> characters, like, oh, Goku doesn't know anything; he just got married, and Gohan's a kid, and all these. Who can I possibly turtle? ask should for I advice? Ask the turtle? I'm gonna ask the turtle. Should I ask the turtle? Is the turtle the best? Is the turtle? Oh no, never mind. Oh wait, Kurain's there. Oh, well, I'll ask him, even though he's also never had a girlfriend. <laughs> and then to that point about the the Oishi comparisons, like, all right, well, you'll be good in three years, so peace out. Like, what? What are you yeah. talking about? He gives the bad advice to change from his best haircut to his worst haircut. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe that's the in-universe explanation for why Yamcha gets that done at that point. Like, it's one of those you're destined to have that happen to you no matter what. Like, that's the thing that you can't change. I don't know, I'm thinking to Doctor Who where they're like, we can change 
a whole bunch of things, but there are these certain things that even I can't affect and they have to happen. Yamcha's haircut at that point is something that must happen in the Dragon Ball universe will always happen in every timeline. And that's what affects everything going forward. So those are the bonus stories. Uh, anything, Julian, you, you wanted to mention something about his, uh, his self-insert thing at the end where we see super buffly drawing manga with no shirt on. Uh, yeah. So he's just giving uh, a rough overview from his perspective about how he was approached for the comic and that, you know, he received a message on Twitter and then somehow it sort of fell into place. Although obviously there were a lot of um, rejected ideas as it was shown in one panel. So it's, uh, you see, it's nice to get this sort of perspective. It's, um, it's a little bit reminiscent of Toriyama's own uh, things and his yes. uh, one shot collections, although it's uh, a little less self-effacing and more like excited to be yeah, part yeah. of this. I love his serious drawing of himself. Like, it's about 20% of the way to have Senbei pictures himself. <laughs> <laughs> when, when he's doing uh, something cool. Yeah, super serious, cool face. And then back to cartoony. And shirtless, and beating shirtless with his editor. Right. <laughs> That's how you do it. <laughs> I mean, if you look like him, you might as well. I mean, get to some kind of job somewhere. Uh, <laughs> but then finally, that point that we mentioned earlier about keeping his pen name. We don't know all the circumstances. We're assuming that Oishi was asked, if not forced, to select a new pen name because she drew the porns before she came on to do SD. Uh, Toyotaro, who knows what the situation was there. He certainly had a name for himself, but uh, Julian, why do you think the, the shift from Toybull to Toyotaro happened as opposed to what happened later with Lee? Was it just, well, this is what we do? It, it, it might have been just that was the done thing at the time. I think uh, in general, too, because AF was kind of something that aspired to be, although it wasn't entirely a sequel, Yeah, in essence, to the previous series that they felt like if they maybe they felt like if they used him with his previous pen name that it might lead fans to assume that Shueisha was condoning this other work, whereas Dragon Ball Psy, which I should also point out, is actually DB Psy on the cover. It's not... Dragon Ball side probably as a way of getting around copyright things. I was going to say, can, can we mention that one major case where they actually did go after someone who was drawing Tojinshi because it used the official title for something? Uh, what yes. series was that? Do you remember? Don't remember anymore. But yeah. So what you actually see is that the self-published works use db something or other um rather than actually spelling out dragon ball for that reason and perhaps because um dragon garoli was doing something that was more obviously a riff on the yeah. original series rather than an than an obvious sort of continuation maybe they felt more comfortable letting him keep it but i think yeah. the following that he had built up on twitter and social media was also something that they were after um, sure and and that was something new compared to even toyble before because i mean we think back to when toyble was doing af yeah social media existed uh certainly websites and forums existed but the amount of attention you could get in a single tweet is above and beyond anything like that really Right. So I definitely think they were sort of after getting his following on board with this. Yeah. Um, in in uh, letting him keep his pen name like that. And it it helped that he wasn't doing anything that they would find particularly offensive. Sure, sure. Well, 
It's available in Japanese. It's available in English. I mean, of all the things that have existed, this seemed like the perfect thing for Viz to bring out. It's self-contained. It doesn't rely on some other merchandising machine like Heroes, uh, where you need to not. You don't need to know everything about Heroes to go into reading something like Dark Demon Realm Mission. But this is just all you need to know is just this cursory knowledge of Dragon Ball and you're good to go with this. Um, they can release it in a single graphic novel format like this and it's perfect. Um, anything we want to say about the Viz version? So I do have the two experts here, someone who had on her own previously translated it uh, and then Julian as well. You guys can read it in Japanese. You can read your own translation. You can look at Viz's translation. Uh, the only kind of little notes that I brought up was people might think, oh, did they not know what Dokkan battle is? Like, no, it actually says Dogon battle in Japanese, so that wasn't a misprint. Uh, I, th- yeah. I feel like City of the West is a little strange. Is that how they do it in Viz, typically? I, I, I've i read the manga in English a while, like a while ago. I don't remember if that's how they typically do it. or I don't think so, but I can't remember what they call it either. I remember when we were doing uh, Jocko documentation, whatever they did in Jocko was different from how they did it in Dragon Ball. In Jocko, was it like West Capital and East Capital, that kind of thing, as opposed to West City? I just feel like City of the West is, as opposed to everything, which is extremely readable that's just needlessly verbose here yeah and and it's interesting that they deliberately choose lettering that's reminiscent of their version of dragon ball um which they do for the end of jocko but i don't think they do it for all of jocko Uh, but the translation here is by stefan koza the translation itself i don't really have any issues with no and uh, goku doesn't say enough really in here to get like a strong idea of the way they have him talk yeah. Same goes for Piccolo. So, like, the people with the most obvious particular ways of speaking in the Viz version, we don't get a lot of to begin with. Yeah, I felt like like there wasn't much difference between all of the the way the characters spoke in English. So, like, there were some parts where, you know, this character's being a little bit more polite and this character's being more casual. And the translation for those was about the same. So that's the only part where I would have made it a little bit more different than what they did. But, yeah like Goku seemed to talk pretty normally. I noticed that they had they had Bulma say call him Goku instead of Son, which I also didn't remember if Viz typically has her keeps her saying Son or if she says Goku. Yeah, I can't it, it was Sonkun in Japanese. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I don't remember if Viz typically keeps it that way or if they changed it to just saying Goku. Yeah, I can't remember offhand. Partway through, I switched over to the Japanese version and never really looked back, so I'm not that familiar with what they did in later volumes. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I was looking through, trying to look over three different things earlier today, <laughs> right. like watching, looking in Japanese, looking at the Viz version, and looking at my own translation from before. So <laughs> at some point, I just went back and forth between my translation and Viz's because it's like, and then if there was something seemed different between the two, then I would check what it was in Japanese, because if they're about the same, I assume that we were both correct. <laughs> right. One of the only things but, that came to mind there was that they actually don't name Battle of Gods by name in Japanese. It's just like that movie, I think it was. There were some, a couple parts where they, I don't know, like, it wasn't even, like, like, there's a part where they were talking, like, where the Cell games were about to start, and the Viz version added an amount of time until it started, whereas in Japanese it didn't tell you how long until it started. Mm. Like, I don't know why, they just put in 20 minutes until it starts. <laughs> but in the original, there wasn't a time there. <laughs> and I don't know, there was a 
thing or a couple of things. What did I see? Like on the very first page, I th- I saw a little bit of c- seemed there's a little confusion about which character was talking in the second or one of the panels. Like the first few lines were all supposed to be the friend talking, mm-hmm. but then like it seemed like one of the lines they might have attributed to the main character. It's like they don't have their actual names. It's a main character and friend, but <laughs> but yeah, because it looked like they might have been thinking that the main character was asking the friend if he wanted to go to the attraction because right. then the friend replied. But in actuality, it's the friend inviting him because he's the one holding the phone and showing the other guy, yeah, the main character. Sure, sure. I see. So. What you mean. From that first page, I was like, I think they might have mistaken that a little bit, but I don't know, or maybe I was mistaken. (laughs) There was overall not really anything wrong that I could find. I just saw some of the lines were cut out some of the details, but that's probably just you know to fit things in the bubbles exactly. better. Yeah. I mean, they may have translated the full line and then there's like, well, th- that won't fit. So we're just going to cut off, right. you know, this detail that was mentioned originally. So, but yeah, it's accurate. <laughs> yeah, it, it's accurate. It reads super great. I'm good with it. What do you think, Julie? Uh, I think it looks good. One thing that I was actually surprised they kept is they mentioned the, the Dragon Ball attraction at UMJ. Uh-huh. And um, this is an obvious reference to USJ or Universal Studios Japan, which is in Osaka. I think I, I mentioned that's where I actually met Dragon Garoli. So he would undoubtedly be familiar with that. Right. And that's where they actually had a Dragon Ball attraction, I think with that name even. Um, yeah, Dragon Ball the real 4D. So that's a, a subtle thing that I was actually kind of surprised about because unlike Dokkan Battle, which is available in English, you have to go to Japan to be at Universal Studios Japan. So people don't know as much about it in yeah. other parts of the but, world. I mean, it's like that in Japanese though, too. It's UMJ. Yeah. Yeah. I was surprised they kept it. That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. That's basically all I got. I, f- I feel like it, it reads good in English. Um, it's certainly faithful. The only thing there is that it's in direct contrast to how they're marketing it. Uh, and I think that can color how you then read the contents therein. Uh, and I think that's a little unfortunate, but at the same time, if you ignore all that, it's great on the inside. Like it's super faithful to how it is in Japanese. Uh, I, I guess we can say that as opposed to the original Japanese release, which is styled to look exactly like a Dragon Ball Tonkobon, where it's got like the blue border across the top and all, all those little black lines, got a nice old school logo. It's got that square frame uh, with the character artwork and then you look on the back and it's even got uh, the characters riding a dinosaur and the ISBN codes, all that. Like it's a perfect Dragon Ball Tonko bone as opposed to the Viz release, which is like, here's a bunch of white space and comic sans and everyone's favorite punching bag, Yamcha from the crater. He rises the legend reborn. Like I can't fault them for doing it. But like I said, it, it, I feel like that might color what you read therein, which is a little unfortunate. Unlike the, the catch copy on the back here in the English, version it's just very matter of fact in japanese so basically just saying the basic of the premise it's it's not anything really about you know Yamcha being the butt of jokes or anything like that. That's what I got. So do we come back around to the the standard annual prediction at this point of, all right, Lee, what's your next one going to be? <laughs> and here we are towards the end Pretty of 2018. Like we're coming up on an anniversary of the original 
first chapter's release of the print release in Japan of this. Uh, we just got an English release. Like, this is the perfect time to announce a follow-up. I'm down for one. Yeah, agreed. Although I gotta say, I'm really hoping he also continues his personal projects. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to see where DB Psy goes because it's already diverged it's significantly awesome. from the original story of Dragon Ball. So I'm really curious to see where he would take it after that. Yeah, and of course, you know, more stupid crossovers like uh, Dragon Ball versus One Punch Man. I yeah, I haven't looked into his other self-published things, but I would like to it's just one of those things like oh yeah that exists i'll look at it at some point and then i forget that it exists until a long time later but yeah i do like his art and his storytelling and i want to see more things from him yeah i guess i guess the tricky part is we don't know the details of his agreement with shueisha does he have to stop making these derivative works on his own now that he's done stuff for shueisha or does it have to go through them if he does we don't no, so we don't know whether he's actually capable of doing these. I, I hope he is. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like usually if someone goes from doujinshi artist to manga ka, they tend not to go back to the yeah, doujinshi making. that's it, man. Except for some cases where manga artists make doujinshi of their own series. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much all I've seen for people who have gone professional, is that they may parody their own things in unofficial volumes, yeah. but they won't go back to parodying other stuff. <laughs> Basically, oh, who is it? Like, Yusuke Murata does dumb stuff on the side that's... Yeah, he can do whatever he wants. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, who was it? Koshi Rikudo with... What was he working on? Excel Saga. He also did like more explicitly explicit stuff on the side. More explicitly so explicit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah I've heard a, tell. The, the author of, of Gravitation does that too. Nice. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that brings our discussion of Dragon Ball Gaiden, the case of being reincarnated as Yamcha or simply Dragon Ball. That time I got reincarnated as Yamcha to a close available now in English from Viz. So uh, don't read online unless you, I guess, bought the digital Viz version uh, available in print as well. Uh, that brings that to a close. That's going to bring this episode here to a close at Konzenshu Z Podcast. Uh, Julian, you and I, we're going back to the Javits next week. We are indeed. We are going to be back for Anime NYC, back with our walking shoes on through Manhattan and hoping NG Transit doesn't shit the bed. Like usual. Yep. Uh, I don't want to say too much about what we got going on because we don't even necessarily know all the stuff that we have going on. We don't want to jinx some of the stuff that may or may not happen, but it's going to be a great time regardless. So if you're heading to Anime NYC uh, and you see two dudes in their mid 30s looking maybe like they're a little too old, a little old, a little tired, (laughs) looking for somewhere to sit down. Uh, so check that out. Stay tuned for future podcasts involving that stuff too. Uh, that's that. Uh, Stacy, what you got going on? Um, well, for the site work, uh, I do have some translation projects that I've been procrastinating on, and uh, hopefully, we'll finish sometime. Nakamada. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But I also have the JLPT coming up in less than a month, so. Nice. I, I mean, translation products kind of count as practice. I mean, so. yeah, absolutely. I mean, that takes precedence, yeah. but it's also practice. And I don't know. Yeah. It works. 
yeah, I mean, I've got other... I'm on other podcasts, too, if you want to hear more of me. <laughs> I have a podcast called Fujoshi Trash Talk, where we talk about Fujoshi stuff like BL and Yahweh and all that. So if you're into that, look for me under Fujoshi Trash Talk. I'm not, but I listen to it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever floats your boat, Mike. I feel like I should be supportive. So I'm supportive of what all my friends do. I will listen to it. I will Yay. watch it. I will pay attention to it as best I can. Uh, so, all right. That's Stacy. That's Julian. Uh, I am Mike Vegito EX. That's going to bring this episode to a close. www.kanzenshuu.com. That is Kanzenshu, the podcast. And uh, because we're in a unique situation here, I'm going to let the two of you wrap up the show. I actually, I went out to karaoke with Cypher. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Japan. We were there for two hours and at least more than one hour was all Dragon Ball songs. I would expect nothing less. <laughs> because that's what happens. Yes. That's what happens when you get people like that together. <laughs> well, that, that's how I got the rap lyrics for Dragon Ball Party is that I went to karaoke and oh my played God, the song right. because they, they weren't in the actual printed uh, lyrics. lyrics for the song. I yeah. forgot about that song entirely.